0: Hey, hi, hello, how are you, and welcome back to Watch It Again, the podcast where we go through 101 movies to see before you die. As always, I am your host, Jacob, and with me are... I'm Kat.
1: I'm Nick. And I'm James, and this week we're talking about Jats, how they are the (laughs) superior biscuit. Yes! (laughs)
2: Yes!
0: (laughs) Yeah, not your... They are the superior biscuit.
2: They are yes, not
0: they are. Clicks clicks are aware. Jats. Jats is God tier of a cracker.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. You did you guys didn't even know what clicks were I know before what I mentioned clicks it, are. so
3: and that tells you oh, everything, good. Nick. Yeah. Yeah. The three of us don't know what it is. Apart from talking about And we about have crackers, faith that
1: Jats can be better.
3: Kat, what's this podcast actually about? <laughs> so each week we take it in turns on picking a condiment or a food and review it. <laughs> <laughs> this week, James is reporting on Jacks. No, I'm Um, so we have been doing this for like two years now, where Almost. we go off a list of movies that you should see before you die, 101 to be exact, and we're up to the second last one.
0: We're up to number one hundred.
3: Each, oh, sorry, one hundred. going
0: to say the second Oh, one hundredth movie.
3: Yeah. <laughs> hey. So each week um, we take it in turns on picking a movie off the list and um, reporting on it to the others. And at the moment we are doing the Dark Knight trilogy and we're up to number two. So take it away, Jacob. That's me. Um yeah,
0: so this <laughs> week we're talking about The Dark Knight, arguably the best film in Nolan's Batman trilogy, but we can talk about that <laughs> next week when we've talked about all three and which one we like the most. But yes. I need to adjust that my it. microphone because I'm not sitting right to read my other screen. Um, so where do we want to begin in terms of The Dark Knight? I can do how the movie was made. We can talk about film, you know, or we could talk about the tragedies associated with it.
3: I feel like maybe we've got to work with... up to the tragedies. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: start with production, maybe? All right, let's start with that. So, um, this movie, James, you'll like this, had a budget of $185 million. I don't know if you want to convert that for... I, I'm on it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in its opening weekend, it made a hundred and fifty-eight million dollars. So it almost made its entire budget back in four days. Um, That's wild. Yeah, it is the highest-grossing Batman movie ever, and also the top-rated Batman movie ever made. Um, so it was the story was by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer, who wrote the first um, movie that we spoke about last week. But the script itself was actually by Jonathan Nolan, so Christopher Nolan's brother and Christopher Nolan. So it was a bit of a change yeah. from Batman Begins that it was, the script was you know, now written by someone else. And I think it sort of shows that there's a dramatic yeah. shift in tone between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Um, so this movie takes inspiration from various different comic books throughout Batman's comic history, including iconic graphic novels of Batman the Killing Joke, um, The Long Halloween, and The Joker's Five-Way Revenge. Um, so Goya and Nolan, the Nolan brothers collaborated on a final script um, that was steeped in the Caped Crusaders lore. Um, this movie is a lot more grounded in reality, even compared to Batman Begins. Um, They really heavily leaned into the Chicago skyline and didn't really use any CGI to add in the slums that they did in Batman Begins. It's a much more kind of clean, real city that this movie Mm -hmm. exists in. And also, the like the city itself kind of becomes its own character throughout this film, with its people and its kind of streetscapes and the way it's filmed. And we'll come to filming soon. Um, so obviously, they chose to return to Chicago, where this was, um, where Batman Begins was filmed, and they shot there for thirteen weeks. The film bought forty five million dollars. In revenue to the city of Chicago, and created um, oh, over wow. two thousand jobs in, in around That's the production. Awesome. Um, London's defunct um, Battersea Power Station and Pinewood Studios were also enlisted for key scenes and studio space. Um, as well as the Surrey-based town of Chertsey in the UK, was used as a Batmobile stunt rehearsal range. And also <laughs> it ended up being the scene of the second tragedy that is associated with this production, with the uh, production technician Conway Wicklife uh, lost his wife. Uh, sorry, lost his life during a collision between his car and a tree at that location. Um,
1: um and of course the other was that on in like during yeah, the production during production. Yeah.
0: Um, and then obviously slightly later on with the tragic death of Heath Ledger, but we will come back to that later on. Um, So principal photography began in April, 2007 and in a first for a non-documentary film, IMAX cameras and their 70 millimeter film stock were used to capture four major sequences in the film. So, you can kind of notice it, and I assume most of us probably watched this, or all four of us watched this on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is essentially the Blu-ray version of this film, or now the, four, like the 4K version, um, mm-hmm. which has a slightly different aspect ratio to what was used in cinemas, but you still would have notice between certain shots in certain scenes that the aspect ratio changed. Yeah. Yeah. So
3: I did notice that, and I thought my eyes were just going no. So
0: glitchy. all these massive wide shots that are filmed in a lot of overhead, like where there's a lot of headspace above the action or the like people on screen, and all those shots and like at the large aspect ratio were shot on the IMAX 70 millimeter um, cameras, but they still use the standard 35 millimeter film cameras as well to film a lot of the like a lot of or well, most of the scenes because these IMAX cameras were a lot heavier and a lot harder. Yes, Nick?
2: You know what's weird? I didn't notice the ratio change. I, I know that's a thing mm. Christopher Nolan does, but I think, I don't know, whether it's because I've seen this a lot or I just wasn't looking yeah, for it. Yeah, and sometimes it's very I subtle. Guess what, yeah. I, I could probably guess what um, sequences it was, but yeah, I yeah, I think... When I'm not looking for that, yeah, I don't really notice but it anymore. But it's
0: it kind of like there's scene Like, there's shots where, like, you know, you've got the Joker standing in the street after the... Um, like, oh, what's... He walks out... Anyway, I can't remember the exact scene, what he's doing, but he's outside, and there's, like, he's centre frame, and there's almost half the frame of empty space above his head. Mm-hmm.
2: But it's shot, like... Is that the, um, when he crawls out of the truck? Yes.
0: Yeah. And, um... It's because in IMAX, everything has to be centered because you're looking at a four-story screen in front of you, and for audiences to understand what's happening on that screen, everything has to be happening in the center of the frame. So in these massive wide shots, there's a lot of headroom because you have to be looking in kind of your in the eyes, middle. yeah, to understand what's happening in front of you. Right. Whereas otherwise, you'd be looking at yeah. his stomach. <laughs> Exactly so but then, like when obviously it comes to like home release and stuff, you see more of the shot because you're looking at it on a smaller screen, which comes into play um, at one point in the movie where Harvey Dent gets into the back of the mob boss's car is a tracking shot that comes across, and as the camera pans around the car and you're following the mob boss walk around it, he's you know. You know, goon, I suppose is the word. In the very (laughs) corner of the screen, you see him get taken by Harvey Dent, and in the rearview mirror, you can see Harvey getting in the back of the car. But because they're both looking the other way when that happens, they don't see Harvey getting in the car. But the audience in that ultra wide shot in the mirror, you can see Harvey getting in the car. There's like little details throughout it that, like, you know, the, the more you look at some of these shots, the more that there's this background action happening and reflections that lead up to something that's about to happen. But when you're just watching it as, you know, a general audience, you don't see these things. And I only know that because it was pointed out to me in the documentary about this film.
3: Did you watch the documentary? <laughs> I did.
0: <laughs> um, so Nolan, who favours on-set effects and stunts over CGI, um, and his team had a difficult time working with this new technology, Um, ended up breaking one of the only four cameras in existence during the Joker vehicle chase sequence.
4: So four of these cameras existed at the
0: time, and they broke one of them. Mind you, one of these cameras had been onto the International Space Station.
1: Do we know how much these cameras
0: are roughly worth? $250,000 each. Holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mix has had a heart attack. Oh
3: my
2: oh my God. God. So <laughs> you yeah, me. Of, that reminds me of the um, guitar from The Hopeful Eight.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: Do you guys know that song? No, but yeah, you I can didn't... tell
3: it if you want. Oh.
2: So, that. I don't know if you guys have all seen it, yeah. but there's a um, guitar that Kurt Russell smashes, and they're supposed to swap it out, like, between. Oh no. Um. Jennifer Jason Lee playing it and him smashing it because the, like, the guitar itself was worth, like, 150 grand. It was, like, a super, like, it, famous guitar. Yeah,
3: it used to belong to and someone famous.
2: They, yeah, and they didn't really explain to Kurt Russell what he was supposed to do, so he was like, okay, grab the guitar, smash oh, it. Oh, no.
0: And there's
2: a, and there's a scene, like, 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 a second, like, right after, where, like, the... Like, the Like The woman in it goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, genuinely, like, she looks off to the crew to be like, what the fuck? Why did he do that? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So they break one of the cameras. Um, So not only were these cameras extremely heavy and bulky, but they emitted a noise, um, which was courtesy of the inbuilt fan that kept them from overheating because they were so big and bulky and they got really, really hot. Um, How big are we talking? Like, I, like
3: as big as
0: a car, not that big, but just think of like you know, think of like a film canister that you see like in you know, all like old movie stuff, like a thirty-five millimeter film canister, right? These use seventy <laughs> millimeter film canisters, so that's twice as large. Oh jeez, I think I've seen also, f-
2: like photos yeah. or videos of Christopher Nolan on and this.
0: When you load a film like can- like a thirty-five millimeter film into a camera, it's usually sitting vertically, right? These sit horizontally. These cameras are like, I don't know, what's the size of maybe like a large dog? Like, they're pretty big.
3: <laughs> but um, not as movable.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they're really heavy. And of course, in some of these scenes, there's a cam operator who's wearing one. And when I say he's wearing one, he's wearing a suit which is attached to other people to help support the weight.
3: Oh my God.
0: But they usually most of the time, it's a on a unit. massive crane. And I said like a massive. That's crazy. Crane. Um, so this fan was really loud, which led to frustrations on sets, as the likes of Ledger, Christian Bale, and Michael Caine struggling to hear each other and to be heard by the crew over these cameras. So Jeez. most, so pretty much everything that was shot with those had to then be the audio re-recorded afterwards. Because any audio that was captured on set while those cameras were in like use was unusable because they are so loud. <laughs> just
2: Sounds seems, like a nightmare. Yeah, it seems more oh, hassle yeah. than it's worth. Yeah.
3: Honestly,
0: but however, the cameras made a real difference to the final cut due to the immense capturing capability and played a significant role in showing off the newly designed Batpod, um, which is you know Batman's really sick two wheeled. Motorbike that comes out of the front of the mat- Batmobile, which Christopher Nolan boldly chose to just des- destroy. Um, so there was six editions of the um, Bat Pod or Bat Cycle that were mm-hmm. used um, throughout the film because obviously Batman somewhat crashes them shortly and they're nowhere near as robust <laughs> as what the, like, you know. They are in the movie. They broke really <laughs> easily. Um,
3: no, you're telling me that nothing in the movie <laughs> is like like a lot?
0: Um, so one thing that they couldn't resolve was the bike's unstable nature. It didn't really stay upright properly for a long period of time. But Christian Bale's stunt double managed to find a position where he could balance himself and the bike, so neither him nor the bike would fall over.
3: <laughs> so Christian Bale had a stunt double for this?
0: Yes. Maybe then. His name's Je- Jean Pierre Um Ooh. and he had to unlearn everything he knew about riding mo- motorcycles as the bat pod was steered by the rider's shoulders. <laughs> Not his hands. <laughs> wow.
3: Well, that would be
1: yeah. Interesting learning curve.
0: Yeah.
3: Laying down, yeah, on it. so he's pushing his shoulders
0: that. to steer, not his arms, like he's or his hand, his shoulders are pushing against scary. you know parts of the bat pod to steer it around. Set
3: that's crazy. Um, so it's also crazy that they built it, like it just know, looks yeah. like yeah. something six, that six wouldn't them. it just yeah, baffles me, blows um, my mind. Another vehicle I want to drive in my lifetime.
0: No, you gotta use your shoulders, man, it'd be so hard. <laughs>
3: Oh, that's fine. I don't have to drive it
0: very far. Um, so another thing that kind of in the production of the film is they had to give Heath Ledger prosthetics to give him his scars across his cheeks and lip. The only thing is the more he talked, the drier his lip prosthetic got and it kept falling off. <laughs> and Heath Ledger hated sitting in the makeup chair. So between takes, would refuse to go back and spend, you know, 15, 20 minutes to have it glued back on. So he kept licking it, but like, oh. to keep it on, oh. which then kind of develops into part of the Joker's character, which is why in scenes where he like, keeps talking, he keeps licking his bottom lip or lips because he has to keep that kind of these prosthetic moist so it doesn't fall off. Oh so it kind God. of become, nice. it became part of this weird, like... You know, kind of nervous tick, twitch thing that the Joker does, but it's only because Heath Ledger just has to keep the prosthetic stuck to his face. <laughs> that's amazing. So I thought it was a really that cool little fact, fact, yeah. About like it's like, oh, that's you know, he just had to kind of develop that, so he didn't have to sit in a makeup chair constantly.
3: <laughs> and I was like, so I've, fair. Never,
1: I've never consciously thought about like the the way the Joker like licks his. Mouth, but it is—it is like one of those subtle, yeah. unnerving yeah. parts about him, and it really yeah. Yeah, it
0: adds to the like psychoticness of the character. But yeah, it's just because his prosthetic wouldn't say on if he kept talking, <laughs> which I thought was That's really awesome. interesting. Um, so Batman has a new suit compared to mm-hmm. Batman Begins. Um, it was comprised of two hundred pieces. Shit. It was made from rubber, nylon, fiberglass, and a metallic mesh to allow for comfort and maneuverability. <clears throat> Despite being eight pounds heavier than its predecessor, Bale found it not as hot to wear, and with the design, the cow separated from the neck piece allowed him to turn his head left and right.
3: Is that why they had that in the movie? When he goes to Lucius Fox and he's like, I want movability. and yeah. I want to be able to turn my head.
0: Yeah, because in... Batman Begins, he couldn't look left and right properly because the piece of the suit didn't let him turn his head. Mm. Um, So um, one element of Batman Begins that didn't require building from the ground up in relation to this was the score and the music kind of continues on from Batman Begins into this and it's the same sort of like themes and stuff used throughout. Um, The Joker's theme is two notes. That's it. It's two <laughs> single notes played on an electric cello, and just pitch changed. But it is that's cool. Two notes. It is a D and a C.
1: <laughs> I get it.
0: It's that wasn't even meant to be a joke. That's just what the two notes are. <laughs> um, so... Oh,
3: that took me so long. <laughs> <laughs> was she, I was really <laughs> waiting for, like, like, is she going to get it? The face was just.
0: Uh. Uh. <laughs> um, so yeah, oh so my one, gosh. one part of like these movies is that Christopher Nolan didn't want any sort of like popular music or anything in these. He just wanted a genuine cinematic score. And his brother. I think that
3: adds to yeah, it so much.
0: His brother, Jonathan, wanted. It's um, a song. I can't remember what the song is called now, for one of the trailers and Nolan was just like, no, like, we're just using, like, um, the score, like, Hans Zimmer's score, that is it, it's perfect, it fits.
3: I honestly think if they had used, like, actual musical mm. tracks and not just scored it by Hans Zimmer, it would have dated it a lot yeah. more. Like, you can watch this today and go, oh, that was released a couple of years ago, Yeah, you know? And it does. You're not like oh, you're not. It's not held back by that.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I I know what you mean. Kat. So it was mm. released to critical acclaim and won 103 of 178 awards, which the cast and crew, sound and visual effects team, screenplay, editing team, and more were nominated for. Which is a pretty high, like rate to win. Like it was nominated for 178 awards globally and won 103 of them.
3: That's yeah, like... Yeah, only Almost missed out for yeah. 75.
0: It is also the fourth highest audience-rated movie on IMDb. Behind
3: right
4: the top three. top
0: three is Shawshank Redemption, The Godfather, The Godfather 2. Then it is The oh. Dark Knight, 12 Angry Men, Schindler's List, oh. Return of the King, Pulp Fiction, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and The Fellowship of the Ring. That's your top ten.
3: We have seen a lot of
0: those movies.
1: (laughs) We have seen all of those. How long do you have to go before you get something not on the list? 13,
0: Inception. And Uh, then it's down to 18. mm. And then
3: 22.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then it kind of... It's a lot more. Um, (laughs) Yeah, cool. So, where am I up to? Score. Score. Now, After have, the school. Yeah, well, I've just finished school. I've changed web pages because I ran out of things on that page. Because that thing ran out. Um, okay, so I think I might talk a little bit about Heath Ledger.
3: Beautiful.
0: So, an icon. Yeah, he was best known for his Academy Award nominated role as the closeted gay cowboy Ennis Del Mar in director Ang Lee's um, Brokeback Mountain in 2005. Um, Ledger was a child actor from Perth and American audiences first were introduced to him in the 1999 teen comedy 10 Things I Hate About You and in regards to that he hadn't really done anything before that he'd done a couple of like stage things he'd grown up watching his sister perform stage plays and really and he couldn't wait to do it himself and then was cast for Ten Things I Hate About You and kind of just thrown into this Hollywood world. And then all these roles around that time in sim- of similar characters and similar types of movies kept being offered to him and he kept saying no. He wanted to do something else. He didn't want to get typecast. He didn't want to keep doing teen comedies and teen dramas. He just he wanted to challenge himself and try different things. So um he was rewarded a big break when he landed the role of Mel Gibson's son in the revolutionary war drama, the Patriot in 2000. So he's gone from teen comedy to massive epic war drama. Um, and then appearing in monsters ball in 2001, ledger started in two critically, um, and commercial flops, which is a Knight's tale in 2001 and the four feathers in 2002 and roared back in 2005 with lead roles, in four films, including *Brokeback Mountain* and *Casanova*. Um, no, it's *Tales*. Not awful. Yeah. Um, it was. Can I just
3: say, it would be interesting if Jake Gyllenhaal ended up as Batman and then Ledger got cast yeah. as the Joker. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So it was *Brokeback Mountain*, however, that truly made Ledger a star and earned him um, comparisons to acting greats such as Marlon Brando. Ah, uh, sorry, Marlon Brando. Um, Ledger lost the Best Actor Oscar that year to Philip Seymour Hoffman for his role in *Capote*. Um, but *Brokeback Mountain* cemented his reputation as an A-list actor and fixture in the um, pages of celebrity obsessed magazines. One thing was, um, so. When Ledger started starring in more things, and especially around A night's Tale, he had a place in, he had an apartment in Los Angeles, and it was described as the pre-entourage entourage house. People were always coming and going, there was massive parties, and even if he was overseas in Europe or whatever for a film, he was, like, there was always people At his house. And does anyone want to have a random guess at which Australian actor that was quite famous um, that was always hanging out there? Rose Byrne? No. He was in Star Wars. Um, He was in. in Uh, Joel. No, he's been in a Marvel
3: movie. He was in. All I can think right now no. is Ewan McGregor, no. and he is not Australian. It's,
1: yeah,
0: can't think <laughs> you. Like he's definitely not. <laughs> good old, good old Benny Mendelssohn. Oh. So they were friends at the time because you know they had similar ages. Um, so he and he's kind of the one that said he he's the one that coined the description of the pre-entourage entourage house, and <laughs> he told a story of the a party that they were there one night. Is that the creators of Entourage were at that party? a few years before Entourage started. And he's always said, like, maybe they got the idea from us, from being in our yes. house. That's um, funny. But Ledger was always one that had a camera in his hands. From as soon as he turned 18, <coughs> excuse me, him and his friends left Perth and went to Sydney. They drove across Australia and moved. And they always just had That's cameras. they were always creating stuff. And Ledger spent his time just creating different things and being really arty, which led to him forming a production company called The Masses with his friend Matt. And at the time, he was getting offered contracts with different studios and having all these Hollywood A-listers wanting to do things with him, and he just picked his friend, and everyone was like, what are you doing like? This isn't how you do this. (laughs) And it really took off. And they were in New York. And he, you know, invited a seventeen year old Australian singer that his friend had just sent him, you know, this is her song. <coughs> and he invited her to New York at age seventeen and recorded a whole album for her in a week. Just produced it. What? At their oh. production company. Who was the singer? Um, I cannot remember her name. It was in the documentary about him, and I apologise. But, like, some of her songs were really good, and she looked really familiar, but it's also 20 years ago. Um, So, at that time, he was also in a relationship with actress Michelle Williams, who is the mother of his um, daughter. So, they met on the set of Brotherhood. I didn't know
3: they were together.
0: Um, (laughs) So, yeah, Michelle Williams is... So they met when filming Brokeback Mountain. They were co-stars. Ang Lee described them as having an instant connection and were almost inseparable on set. Um, So their daughter, Matilda, was born in October of 2005. That's very easy. (coughs) Um, However, in September of 2007, they separated and Ledger moved from their house in Brooklyn, to the rented Soho apartment. Um, through his personal life, uh, might have been in turmoil, Ledger's professional life was flourishing in the months before his death. Um, near the end of 2007, he was in London filming Terry Gilman's The Imaginarium of Dr. Um, parnassus In addition to a role um, as one of several Bob Dylan alter egos in Todd Haynes' I'm Not There... He had, he, and he just finished working on The Dark Knight. Um, in interviews that would be scrutinised extensively after his de- death, the actor admitted that the Joker role had been difficult for him and he'd been using prescription drugs to manage recurring bouts of um, high stress and insomnia. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so during this time he had... Have a drink of water. <laughs> I don't have any left um so during this time he had a dialogue coach that was living in his apartment with him they were good friends and his dialogue coach reported like the, you know that in the middle of the night he'd hear Ledger walking around the house he just couldn't get to sleep or when he did he'd be asleep for an hour and wake up wide awake and that he was taking medicated sleep medication to try and go to sleep and he had this he had constant... Just before his death, he was suffering from a pneumonia, a constant pneumonia-like illness that, you know, he could barely move, his body was tired, he would spend days on set and then come back and spend, you know, weeks just unable to do anything, and it was really taking his toll after The Dark Knight, and during the production of The Dark Knight, there was times where he'd have two or three weeks off between scenes, like between filming scenes, because he was so physically exhausted that he couldn't. He said if he'd done it day like day after day, he he would have sort of died. Um, That's not good.
1: Yeah, sleep is something people underrate in terms yeah. of like how quickly you fall apart w- without it. And yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, he was. I've been sorry, James. You go. No, I just want to say. I recently, the other day, was reading about like the weird sleep schedule some people do um, in terms of not just like all of a night. There's one called the Uberman that a lot of people try and very many people get seriously ill doing it, which is six lots of 20 minute naps throughout a day and nothing else. Oh,
3: oh my God.
1: And like mm. supposedly like sleep. Yeah, yeah. Supposedly if you can do it right, like it'll get like you have heaps more energy all, all day, but people really fuck yeah. themselves up doing it.
3: So what is there to do at, like, 3am?
1: Yeah, this is for people that are, like, obsessed with productivity and probably have a lot of, like, take-home work, like, computer kind of work, uh, I think. This is
0: an issue that Ledger had, is that he was always doing things and he would rock up at his friend's houses or his, you know, agent's house at 5 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning and be sitting at their front door ready to go for the day he'd crash their family breakfast because he had ideas that he wanted to talk about. He had things he wanted to do and he'd get so fixated on a project that he just wanted to do it. And he was constantly, constantly trying to make things, having ideas. And it led to him just not sleeping because his mind Mm. was so active with all these things happening that he just couldn't, you know, function properly. Which led mm-hmm. to so this lack of sleep, the stress from back to back productions, and this pneumonia type illness that he developed, he was on a ra- like a vast majority of different prescription medication, and um, which included any anxiety drugs, painkillers, and sleeping pills. This. Led to an accidental overdose in his Soho apartment, in which that he took the wrong combination <clears throat> of those drugs, which led to his untimely death in his sleep. Um, he was discovered by the masseuse and housekeeper the next morning. Um, emergency crews arrived right on scene, but were unable to revive him. The worst part about So the worst part about the whole thing was for two weeks after his body was discovered, there was rampant media speculation about, you know, illegal drug use or that he'd committed suicide or there was all these different, you know, theories kind of coming out everywhere. Mm -hmm. His family in Australia, his mum, dad and sisters, found out about his death on the news. They didn't know like, because it, it was That's such a awful. quickly developing story oh, that, like, <clears throat> his friends were getting calls from each other, like that quickly, like you know, spread around. Because one of his friends got a call, like from one of their other friends, and she was at his front door, <coughs> and he wasn't answering. So he quickly then went, out and then like you know, he was found in that time. But it just went around and around, and then it just kind of. Developed into this massive media storm because obviously, eventually, someone found out and it just went public. And there's an inter- in the documentary about his life. There's an interview with his dad, who said how hard it was to grieve for the loss of a child while the world's grieving for the loss of a star,
3: and mm. that like it was something that
0: they wanted to have so private, but it was such a public thing and all this media speculation around how he died. And it was just a genuine accident of mixing the wrong medications to try and go to sleep. Like he didn't mean, you know, it wasn't a suicide. He just, it's
4: terrible. Yeah, like
0: He wasn't, he was struggling, but he wasn't struggling in that way. Like he mm. was sick, but it was more of like a, like a being really run at like pneumonia. An insomnia that was causing him just to have all these issues. Um, Matt, he's, you know, co-creator of the masses in the documentary talks about how he was on set with a band and they just started filming the first thing in the morning. They just started filming the first couple of shots for a music video. When his phone rang, he had met this band two days beforehand And his phone rang and he was told what had happened. And then it cuts to the lead singer of the band who just says he heard an ungodly scream. And then that Matt just dropped. And like, they just went, they were just done like production for that day was wrapped. And went, you know, he's like this guy I just met. It was whatever you need. We're here. You know, whatever you need us to do. Where he fought you because his best friend, like a lifelong friend, had just been found dead. And that led them to create an album that was dedicated to Ledger. And their hit title was a song called Perth. And now I feel bad because I can't remember what that band's called. But yeah, so that's kind of the really sad. The Heath Ledger yeah, story. Yeah, story of Heath Ledger and his accidental um, death. But that led to, um, in the production, Christopher Nolan saying how hard it was to then edit the film, because he'd have to rock up and edit every day and look at Ledger and hear Ledger's voice every day while this has just happened. But it also led into this movie having a massive, like I said, opening box office weekend of $158 million, because Mm. when Ledger was cast there was a lot of criticism because he just you know, this bloke that's just starting Brokeback Mountain, how can he be the Joker? This, you know, guy in his twenty, late twenties, how can he possibly Yeah pull this off?
3: And arguably he is the best joker. Yeah,
0: but at the like you know, leading into this movie everyone was really sceptical about how this is gonna happen, what it was going to be like because everyone was comparing it to Jack Nicholson. And Jack mm-hmm. Nicholson himself um, even said that he was quite bothered about not being called back to portray the Joker because like, that's my character, why don't, you know. But obviously, <laughs> new property, so mm-hmm. you're not just going to be cast again.
3: Also, I'm sure and, at the time, Heath Ledger cost a lot less to get than Jack yeah. Nicholson.
2: Yeah, didn't Jack, Jack Nicholson cost like 80 oh, mil probably. or something? I think we spoke about that but last.
0: But he time. was also... 71 oh, sweet, but, yeah. years... Like Jack Nicholson was 71 years old at the time, and it would have been a bit of a contrast to have him... <laughs> yeah, he's, a,
1: he's no Joker
2: shape yeah, either. To have him... Is
3: Jack Nicholson still alive? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jesus. He's getting
1: on in years. Yeah. But, and th- very different, like, tone yeah. that this series is going for, that Jack Nicholson's joke... Like, I know he's a, got a wide range of acting, but it would be a very different Joker, and you kind of don't want it to be that same Joker that was... Yeah. Mm. Exactly. In the previous Yeah, I, I
2: think, like, sort of like Alfred, like, <laughs> this is a very specific version of the Joker that would, like, only really works for this. Yeah. yeah. And, like, nothing else really. Like, you can't do, like, the classic sort of clown, mm. like, prankster version. Yeah.
3: Mm.
0: And the opening... I think
3: this works...
0: Oh,
2: you, also, go. No, you go, you
3: Joker- go. I think this Joker works so well... Because, like Jacob said earlier, this movie is so much more grounded in reality, and I feel like, a, you know, a supervillain playing pranks and like that Joker-esque um, kind of He's a villainy, g- a genuine agent of chaos, just, is yeah, is just not like realistic. Mm.
2: I, I think yeah, like, I think he can do like the prankster type now, but I think like. In the, like, this is, like, you know, this series is very reactionary to stuff
0: like the born Identity mm. and stuff like that. It's like, And
3: also just what was going on at the time, like, with yeah. Iraq and America.
0: Yeah. But, like, it, 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 in it, this movie's done so well because everything's also so practical. So, so many, mm. like, everything's kind of in camera. Like, you've got truck, they're physically flipping a truck in the, in a main street of Chicago. They're blowing <laughs> up a real building I mean, in yeah. the movie, it's a hospital, the, yeah, but they the, genuinely blew up that building. Like, that was... Ri- yeah. yeah, and
2: it was delayed. Like, yeah. like that reaction where, like, Keith Ledger turns around and he's like, shrugs and he, like, looks at the remote and, like, then it starts blowing up again. That's improvised. Yeah, because it
0: was mentioned as yeah. a like,
2: and it didn't. Because they, they had one shot yeah. at it and then something didn't work and he was just like... Oh. oh. And he's just you know, he's like, oh, I guess I'll <laughs> just hope this... What? starts up yeah. again soon and then
1: it did and he was like yep just the the staying so in character the pressing the button over and over is so great. Yeah. like yeah. it's great on its own and then you you find out that story and it's just even better
0: yeah it's That's great, so great. if it
1: had delayed just a, a little bit longer it wouldn't
0: have worked yeah.
2: and it would have like they would have been down like an entire hospital yes. set
0: um so it's
3: pretty cool i watched a i don't know what I think it must have been a YouTube video on how they, like, actually wired up the hospital. Because it was just an
0: abandoned
3: building, obviously. Some
0: sort of, Mm. like, toy factory or something? No, it
3: was was an abandoned hospital, I'm pretty sure. Mm. And it was just so interesting, because, like, they went through and they were like, yeah, we have to wire it like this, so this bit blows off here for this bit of the cinema. But if we blow it off here, like, it'll ruin the shot and... Yeah, I'll Maybe have that's to what they did to the it. set
2: of Scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they switched to a studio yeah. for
0: that 10th uh, season. Um, so in May of 2007, 42 Entertainment, who's like the, one of the entertainment companies behind this film, began a viral marketing campaign utilising the film's Why So Serious tagline. With the launch of a website featuring the fi- fictional politica- political campaign of Harvey Dent with a caption, I believe in Harvey Dent. So this was one of the first movies like, to do a proper like, online marketing campaign to go with it in a year like, leading up to. That's pretty cool. Um, so the site was aimed at internet fans by having them try to earn what they wanted to see. And on behalf of Warner Bros, 42 Entertainment also established a vandalized version of I believe in Harvey Dent called... I believe in Harvey Dent 2, where emails sent by fans slowly removed pixels revealing the first official image of the Joker. Um Yeah. And that took until December to be revealed. Um, during the That's kinda cool. During San Diego Comic Con in two thousand and seven, um and Forty Two Entertainment launched why so sending fans on a scavenger hunt to unlock a teaser trailer and a new photo of the Joker. On October 31, the film's website morphed into another scavenger hunt with hidden messages instructing fans to uncover clues at certain locations in major cities throughout the United States and take photographs of their discoveries. The clues combined to reveal a new photograph of the Joker and an audio clip from the film saying, and tonight you're going to break your one rule. Completing the scavenger hunt and also led to another website called Rory's Death Kiss, um, which references the false working title of Rory's first kiss for the film, um, where fans could submit photographs of themselves, costumes to Joker. Those who sent the photos were mailed a copy of a fictional newspaper called The Gotham Times, whose electronic version led to the discovery of numerous other websites. So that this whole massive online thing. Happening, leading up to this movie. Um, The Dark Knight's opening sequence, um, and closing montage... Sorry, the Dark Knight's opening sequence showing a bank raid by the Joker and closing montage of other scenes from the film was screened with IMAX... uh, in selected IMAX screenings of I Am Legend, which was released on December 14th, 2007. Now, I've heard of stories where people drove across America and, like, other countries to go to IMAX screenings of I Am Legend just so they could watch the opening scene they didn't give a fuck about I Am Legend just so they could watch the opening scene of The Dark Knight months before it was released in cinemas
3: Um, could you imagine you would do that though Jake. oh fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: wasn't that a thing with um, Phantom Menace as well yeah Yeah. I think so yeah it was at the
0: end of yeah Um, yeah uh, da, 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 da. So, after the death of Ledger on January 22nd, 2008, Warner Brothers adjusted its promotional focus on the Joker, revising some of its websites dedicated to promoting the film and posting a memorial tribute to Ledger on the film's official website and overlaying a black memorial ribbon on the in a photo collage of whysoserious.com. On February 22nd, 2008, I believe in Harvey Dent was updated to enable fans to send their email addresses and phone numbers. In March 2008, Harvey Dent's fictional campaign informed fans that actual campaign buses, nicknamed Dentmobiles, would tour various <coughs> cito- cities to promote Dent's candidacy for district attorney. On May Do you
3: think that half of this movie's budget Literally just went to promotional activities.
0: This is this this is completely separate of that one hundred and eighty-five million dollars. How much did this
3: cost? I don't which,
0: even want to way, know.
1: Which, by <laughs> the way, was two hundred and forty-five million dollars. It's a it?
0: massive, but like that's a lot. Yeah. Um, so on the fifteenth of May, two thousand and eight. Six Flags Great America and Six Flags Great Adventure theme parks opened the Dark Knight Coaster roller coaster, which cost 7.5 million dollars to develop, and which stimulates being stalked by the Joker. Um, Mattel pro- produced toys and gate. Sorry, which produ- which stimulates being um, stalked by the Joker. <laughs> Mattel produced toys and games for the Dark Knight: action figures, role play costumes, board games, puzzles, and special edition Uno cards, which began commercial distribution in two thousand and eight. Sorry, June two thousand and eight. Those Uno cards.
3: Um, That's (laughs) my next birthday present, guys. If you can find me a deck of Dark Knight Uno cards.
0: I'd love that. <laughs> Warner Brothers also <laughs> devoted six months to an anti-infringement strategy that involved tracking the people who had a pre-release copy of the film at any one time. Shipping and delivery schedules were also staggered and spot checks were carried out both domestically and overseas to ensure illegal copying of the film was not taking place in cinemas. An unlicensed oh copy gosh. was released on the web about 38 hours after the film's release on BitTorrent Search Engine, The Pirate Bay, um, touted the movie industry over its ability to provide the movie free, replacing its logo with a taunting message. Um, Pandemic Studios was developing a tie-in video game adaptation, Batman The Dark Knight. However, its development faced serious disruptions and was cancelled before completion. So it was this huge, like eighteen months leading up to this movie, from pretty much when production started to its release of this massive marketing campaign in the build-up to this movie,
3: which is just wild. insane. I just like my mind is just blown. I could not even imagine organising all of yeah.
0: that. Yeah. Um. So, James, this is this bit's all for you. <laughs> this this is, this section is titled box office <laughs> um, so it earned five hundred and thirty four point nine million dollars in North America alone holy fuck.
1: and four hundred and
0: sixty nine point <gasps> seven million in other territories for a worldwide total of a billion dollars
3: was it oh no it wasn't it became it didn't go past Titanic uh, it became the
0: four at that time in 2008 it became the fourth highest-grossing film of all time And the highest-grossing film of 2008. Um, And the fourth film in history to gross more than $1 billion.
1: What are the other three?
0: Um, Gone with the Wind, Titanic, and... And I want to say Phantom Menace, but I don't know. Would would that be adjusting for inflation, though? No, this is just the... It was just the fourth movie to pass... A billion dollars in its theatrical release, not adjusting for inflation. Just
1: going with the wind got a billion dollars in the ni- well. It's adjusted in for inflation, at
0: almost like four billion. Yeah, okay. Because it was like it ran for thirty years.
1: That's that's true. Um, it made one
0: hundred ninety-nine point seven million on its worldwide opening weekend. So it made its budget back globally, and 158 million of that was in the US alone. Um, Just like three days, it's made 12.3 million dollars in Australia on its opening weekend, which for the time is fucking massive for an Australian audience. Yeah, um, it is estimated that it sold 74.26. Million tickets in the US alone in its theatrical run, which yes, is
3: that's a lot of paper. <laughs> of
0: tickets. Um, in order to increase the film's chances of grossing a billion dollars worldwide and winning Oscars, Warner Brothers re released the film in traditional and IMAX cities in the United States and other countries on January 23, 2009. Um before that re-release, the film's gross was $997 million. That re-release ticked it over the billion dollar mark. Just.
1: <laughs> um, Jacob, yep. you should be embarrassed not knowing the third, the third what movie. What was it? Return Fuck. of the King. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i it's one of those fucking Lord of the Rings
1: movies. Of <laughs> <laughs> Fucking
2: Lord of the Rings. Get you every
3: time. It's
0: always there. It's always waiting. Um. All right, <laughs> I haven't even talked about the plot of this film, and I'm probably not even going to touch on it because I don't know. I, Mike, really can I just talk. say yeah. one thing, yeah. guys?
3: The Joker, he keeps saying that he's an agent of chaos, but he is one of the most organised people I have ever seen in a movie.
1: He, you well, know, in in a way, to cr- to create chaos on the level he wants, he has to be very ordered.
3: He just, like, when he, even when he's like, oh, I'm going to blow up a hospital in 60 minutes, he would have to have, the, like, the hospital rigged already. He can't just say that. He can't, he can't, I just. Do you want to know a really
0: fun moment in this film about how much he has planned, but how much he doesn't know what's going to happen? So he's obviously, like, kind of infiltrated organized crime in Gotham and has different people working for him and is kind of asserting his influence onto the different crime families. Um, there's a moment where he's been arrested and he's sitting in the cell, and that guy gets brought in with all the stitches in his stomach, and he's complaining of his stomach pain. Hmm. And if when you watch it, his face changes, his expression changes because that's the moment that he's not, that he knows his plan is in action and that they've actually <laughs> followed through with what he has told them to do. Up until that point. He has no idea if any of the people that he's, you know, organized to do any of this stuff have actually done it. And as soon as that guy gets bought in, he's like, holy shit, like, it's time. They've actually done what I've asked. And he instantly enacts his part in his own plan. That's pretty cool. That's a- that's a great little detail.
3: Yeah, and there's also lots of there's so many yeah. like little things in this movie that I love. Well, there's all different Just theories like, about the little details because
0: there's no evidence. Like in this film, like there's no fingerprints. There's nothing matching who he is. They have no name. They have no idea where this man has come from. And the Joker being a very unreliable narrator gives various different, really contradictory clues as to you know his past, but there's a moment in the interrogation scene between Batman and him where Batman slams his head into the table and he says, you know, don't start with the head. It makes you victim or fuzzy. And then he punches him at, like, you know, he slams his fist onto the Joker's hand and he doesn't even react. He's like, cause now I'm more fuzzy. I can't feel it. <laughs> and there's all these theories that true, he was, it? you know, a special forces soldier or something that, you know, or yeah. some sort of government role that he was, Knew about interrogation tactics, and that's why he's you know mm-hmm. like don't start with the head, man. You want information, don't concuss them.
1: I thought you I, were going to tell us that that Heath Ledger actually didn't feel the second thing no, at all. He, yeah.
3: I did um really like this movie because it's kind of the only one of the trilogy where you see Batman just doing like Batman, Batman things. things. Yeah, he's just Batmaning <laughs> around. And it's and, the first um, time in
0: live action that Batman leaves America and goes to a different part of the world to do Batman yeah. things.
3: Because yeah. Batman in Hong Kong. And I just put... <laughs> With skyhooks. Yeah.
0: Which are fucking, actually a
3: thing. I looked them up. It's a
0: really sick scene.
3: Yeah. Um, um, but I really liked that the first scene where though the like cosplayers come and try and... Um, do Batman things, and yeah. Christian Bale has to come and like beat them all. And up the and return stuff. of Scarecrow like, for five dif- seconds, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "What's the difference between you and me?" I'm not. am we- not wearing hockey pants. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, so, did you
3: like my Batman I voice? I really very I, very I, I had practiced. So.
1: Um, be careful,
0: Cat. You'll you'll hurt your throat I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> give I'll the quickest story times. overview. This is the storyline of this film. Set within a oh yeah, we year, haven't even spoken yeah.
3: about Harvey Dent.
0: So set within a year after the events of Batman begin, so it's within 12 months after that those events, um, Lieutenant James Gordon, Batman, and new district attorney Harvey Dent successfully begin to round up the criminals that plague Gotham City until a mysterious and sadistic criminal mastermind known only as the Joker appears in Gotham, creating a new wave of chaos. Batman's struggle against the Joker becomes deeply personal, forcing him to confront everything he believes, and improve his technology to stop him. A love triangle develops between Bruce Wayne, Dent, and Rachel Dawes.
3: Okay, was there ever a love triangle? Because Rachel never wanted Bruce. Yes, she
0: did. I mean,
3: and also she's literally there to this just movie,
0: said yeah. She did. Uh, so do just... so we want to talk about it Harvey Dent? Me.
2: Yes. Firstly, yes. do you guys prefer Maggie Gyllenhaal
3: over... Yes. Katie yes. But no, because the character has no substance uh-huh. anyway, and I feel like Maggie Gyllenhaal, you just look at her and you're like, I want you to say something intelligent, and then she just doesn't.
0: So, um, <laughs> what's her name? Not Maggie Gyllenhaal? Um, I feel
3: very strongly about this, guys. Katie Holmes
0: was married to Tom Cruise at this point. And there's a bit of controversy oh. around that in, later in life. She said... um she somewhat regretted not returning, but at the time it wasn't right for her. There's a lot of controversy around that supposedly Tom Cruise didn't want to do it and wouldn't allow her to return because he didn't want her to be in it.
3: But we'll we'll never know. So
0: Harvey Dent district attorney of Gotham, um, bursts into the scene as the white knight, you know, as the opposed to Batman's dark Knight, Harvey Dent is the white knight of Gotham that has come in and is legally cleaning up the streets and, uh, putting organized crime into the Slammers. Um,
3: wow, Jacob. Thank you. You're the such slammers. a Chicago city cop. Yeah. You've got the lingo <laughs> and everything. Um,
0: Harvey Dent is a very interesting character because, he, you know, he's this shining new figure, but also is somewhat of a dickhead and also completely insane too because you have to be insane to get anywhere in Gotham. So um, his campaign against the criminal underworld leaves half his face disfigured, turning him into a murderer with a split personality bent on revenge. Um,
3: I feel like, okay, I feel like your, your girlfriend dying and you getting disfigured is not enough of a reason to go on a killing rampage.
0: No, and also before that... He tortures one of the Joker's, like, henchmen. Yeah. And, like, tries it's, to beat him up not... for information. Like, he wasn't a good person before his face got burnt and his no. girlfriend got mine up.
2: Yeah. I, I, it's I think they a... could have yeah. done a better job of showing that was always in him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. I know. It it, sounds, it just seems a bit it's I don't like, know, disjointed. Oh, it's like, I've someone.
3: Now I have to become a supervillain. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I would like to see, like, the the, like, public of Gotham loves him but like I oh, would let's say you know the cops and like other you know like public servants know what he's actually like sort mm-hmm.
1: of yeah i feel like to make a transition like that there had to have been like underlying mental health issues before and i think like you know we can see that he's a bit you know narcissistic as any high-flying lawyer kind of has to be but um I feel yeah, I feel like we could have seen more of that in the first half to make it make more sense and be more realistic. Mm-hmm.
2: Well I
3: did see- think the CGI of his face was glorious though. It's very good. The whole oh, eyeball. Yeah. That looks great. Beautiful. The
2: only thing that looks bad in this, I think, is when the bat pod like
3: Yes goes up the wall. It's really weird. And I don't
0: I genuinely think that shot would have been better if he like some like slingshotted like around a pole or something rather than up a wall, yeah. like a practical just kind of like grappling hook around a thing and swung around, would have looked way better and made more sense than that weird kind of 180 flip up it's a wall.
2: Just, it just looked really yeah. dumb. I was like, oh.
0: And it kind of takes, because everything's practical, is just that weird one moment of CGI. And like, oh. What was that? Yeah. <clears> you <throat> can tell
1: what how cool it would have looked in their head yeah. but they didn't quite yeah. like get yeah. it. Yeah. No one was like, Did shit, he? yeah,
3: we're going to have him drive up a wall, yeah. and then it just...
1: Even if That's his wheels nice. were like
2: sticky and he drove like, up the wall, drove up the wall <laughs> yeah. a bit and like sort of That's went in a circle, that would look better than just a
0: yeah, whoo- up the wall and back down <laughs> <out> the wall. <laughs> uh, so, um, Nolan and David Goya had originally considered using Dent in Batman Begins and introduce- introducing the character then, but they replaced him with Rachel Dawes for that film.
2: Well, I thought he was supposed to be the actual DA that got killed.
0: No, so they were going to set him up. Like he, he was going to be in Batman Begins, but and oh, and but then they couldn't and have a Rachel love triangle.
1: Yeah, so there was going to be no love interest in Batman Begins.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't have been like she wouldn't have had such a major role in terms of being the lawyer and trying to do and
1: justice. Like the the first Arkham scene, he was going to be so passionate about saving yeah.
3: Harvey Dent. Yeah. Huh. Mm. Um, Damn. So, but then they just wouldn't have had like any females in it at all. So that would be an issue. Not well. <laughs> <laughs> oh Well, the Okay. Just wipes <laughs> that I'll <up>. Just leave <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, So before Eckhart was cast in February two thousand and seven, uh, Lee Schreiber, Josh Lucas, and Ryan Felipe uh, had expressed interest in the role. Which, which Avenger do you think auditioned?
3: Uh, Robert Downey Jr. No, <laughs> and no. Captain America. No. Doctor Strange. Ball no.
1: Right. no. Chris
2: Hemsworth.
3: No. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth's going to be like 18. <laughs> <laughs> if <is> that.
2: Don <laughs> Cello.
0: Um, Original Avenger.
2: Jeremy Rell? No. Scarlett Johansson? No! Oh, Who's Mark the guy that plays Mark
0: Ruffalo, Hull- yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, Matt, I Matt see that. Damon stated that he was considered for the role, but could not accept due to scheduling conflicts. And same for Hugh Jackman. Oh, two Ooh, Aussies. I, that would have been mm, cool.
1: I wouldn't like either of those as Dent, though. I don't yeah.
3: Know. I don't know. It's, I feel like but, Hugh Jackman could play the, like, sleazy. Mm,
1: I don't okay. know. If they yeah, if they leaned more into that in the first half, maybe I can see them both as Two Face, but the first yeah. half Harvey Dent is a bit well tougher. To and imagine. that's why they chose
0: Eckhart, mm. who Nolan had considered for the lead role in Memento, citing his ext- he's
1: <laughs> got the right look, citing
0: his extraordinary <laughs> ability as an actor, his embodiment of that kind of chiseled American hero. Is that he does have, have that like all American yeah. look,
3: doesn't he? He's really the blonde hair yeah. and. Um, <laughs> I remember watching me-
1: me- Memento the first time, th- thinking this guy looks exactly like um, Harvey
0: Dent. He's <laughs> <And laughs> kind of like the Brad embodiment of that Robert Redford sort of that American real style of "I'm going to come in and save the day." Look at me go! I'm. This is hmm. America, um,
3: and that's kind of why I hate him. I yeah.
0: Think. Eckhart was interested in good guys gone wrong and had played corrupt men in films such as The Black Dahlia, Thank You for um, Smoking and In the Company of Men. Whereas Dent is depicted as a crime boss in most characterizations in the comics, Nolan chose to portray him as a twisted vigilante to emphasize um his role as Batman's counterpart. He uh, Eckhart explained he's still true to himself, he's a crime fighter, he's not killing good people, he's not a bad guy not purely. For Dent um kept on thinking about um the idealistic held a grudge and took on the mob. He had his hair lightened and styled to make him appear more dashing. Nolan told Eckhart to not make Dent's criminal persona jokey with um slurpy sounds or tricks. Like, he still wanted him to be Harvey Dent. He wanted him to be that really serious. He is the district attorney. He's here to clean up crime in Gotham. And when he kind of kills a couple of people towards the end of the film, he still sees himself as the good guy because he's cleaning up the people that are causing these issues. You know? He's trying to stop it from getting out of control.
3: And... Oh Speaking God, of the people you know who killed... Just...
0: Who's going first? Oh,
3: sorry. You uh, know who okay, I just realised gonna... he looks like? Who? Got Prince his? Charming. <laughs> <Arleschek>. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was, like,
3: trying to place it since I watched the movie. God. Yeah. Nick, what were you going to say? Sorry, just go.
0: came to me. Speaking of um, people he killed? Oh, fuck, I oh, don't know.
2: Oh, yeah. So at the end, Gordon says there was five people dead and two of them were cops. Who was the second cop?
0: I don't know. Were there two cops in the thing together?
2: Yeah, because he shoots, he shoots the guy in the bar yep. and he Was doesn't it... shoot the woman that gives, um,
3: oh, Ramirez. gives up
2: Gordon's family. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, there you go. There's um, another woman in the story. there. Yeah.
0: Path. The corrupt cop that sells them all out.
3: <laughs> wow. Two women, guys. We're breaking the glass ceiling.
2: <laughs> Let's give them another pause. <laughs> Good job, Warner Brothers.
3: Woo! Um...
2: <laughs> Fuck. Kind yeah, it's of a running theme totally in Nolan's films.
3: Actually, while I think about it, I mean, rises Rise brings it up a little what, more. Three, <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> two. I think
3: we'll find out next week. Well, Who Maggie knows? Gyllenhaal's dead. Yeah, so. it's, just,
0: it's just Catwoman and the there other We
3: don't get to count the dead ones. Yeah,
0: <laughs> is there a flat? Wait, is there a flashback?
1: <laughs> wait, no. Maybe there is only two. again. We'll find out next week. <laughs> yeah, that's two. <laughs> there was <three. laughs> Oh, no. Uh let's
2: just hold, hold baby steps, James. Yeah. <laughs>
3: baby steps. <laughs> Things don't change overnight. Oh
2: God. Um. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's wrong. I think I, I think they might have fucked up there. I think they might have been like, oh, well, we can't. I oh, know. Maybe they're like, oh, we can't. You can't shoot a woman or something. I don't know. Oh,
3: sorry. I had no idea what yeah. you were talking um, about. No. Yeah. With Ramirez.
2: Well, so- yeah.
0: Yeah, if you go to the cast for this movie, there's two women on the top cast page, and there's two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen people listed on it, and there's two women. <laughs> so. Yeah.
3: Fuck no. Yeah,
2: I, th- I, think, I think they might have changed it for some reason. Like, it would have been, like, I don't know, to show that he doesn't kill everyone, because like, he kills that mob boss through, like, a loophole.
3: He killed, but he, like, flips the, the coin. That's why I'm, like, maybe he could... Yeah, but the coin like, I don't two know, heads. I feel like the gender doesn't come into it. I think it's the fact that she's, like, that's, not that's a straight cop. The whole thing about him. But but I understand what you're saying, Nick, though. Like, maybe they didn't want to show him killing a woman. I
2: oh, do no, no, not that, but, like, also, I think they might have, like, tested, like, tested it or something, and they would have been like, oh, uh, we haven't shown an example of him just not, like, killing anyone. Yeah, like, having, that's like, true. Because like, you don't really see what, how, like, he clips a coin is like, and I think it's like off screen. Even it's like, oh, yeah, yeah leave we'll, we'll to see another day, and like, yeah. That's but it. if
0: you, if you
3: also, I feel like it would be really bad if he killed the only remaining top build woman in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you also, <laughs> given that the other one died,
0: notice <laughs> the thing about his coin? Did it always lands yeah. no, on it's a heads? Yeah, coin. so whenever he makes yeah. his own but luck, it so got it, burnt on one side. Yeah, but he kind of always like throughout the movie. When you listen to him give those ultimatums, he- heads is obviously always the result he wants. And he always listens mm. to the tales is sometimes really outlandish of like what's going to happen to someone. It's like, well, obviously he's not going to do that because the coin physically can't produce that.
2: What, what if like he went to like ask Rachel out and he was like, oh, you heads, you go on a date with me. And she's like, no, I want heads. What was he do then? And he's like, oh, oh, shit. no. And he just takes like, <laughs> his he has coin. A point. It's double tails. <laughs> it's
1: double, it's double,
2: double tails
0: coin. <laughs> 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 Fine. Pick up artist.
1: Yeah.
2: Take yeah. note.
0: Fine. Tails you go on to take with me. Huh? Psych.
2: Picks out. Uh, <laughs> his other coin. His double tails oh, coin. So
0: good. Um, so mm. in this film, in the original draft, there was more of an emotional storyline for the Joker. And Nolan went. Let's not do this. And they gave most of it to Harvey Dent and developed him to be the emotional core of this film because it made more sense for the Joker just to be a psychopath running like psychopath running riot through a city. And they didn't really have to add anything yeah. to him. It's just
3: I just don't I don't understand the like the attraction of Gotham. Mm. Like, why do all these supervillains just form their little hubs here? Why not? Poor Gotham.
0: Metropolis has got <laughs> Superman, so like. He's just going to fucking hate-vision you through the face. So Is Superman okay, even in this No, like, that's not the point.
3: Exactly. In this world, it they look the like
1: the, the big New York thing, Yeah, right? it's got 30 million oh, people. Right. It's like
0: the main city. It essentially, yeah, Gotham yeah. replaces okay. New York, yeah.
4: Okay.
0: Um, one thing you might have also noticed is that Wayne Tower and the whole city changes. Like in... Batman Begins, it's got all the trains going into it, and it's this big city, and yeah. then in this, it's just a black rectangular building. Yeah, it looks kind of boring. Yeah, because they just kind mm. of really brought it back down and grounded it more than what Batman Begins was.
2: Yeah, I suppose. But I didn't know. So I, I saw the, the tower, and it said Wayne on it, and I was like, oh, that's it. Um, like, I don't know
3: bit more realistic, though.
2: When it's realistic, but I was like, oh, that's a bit boring. Studio executives
0: <laughs> first saw scenes of the Joker they didn't understand. So they, um, despite the fact that Jack Nicholson had portrayed the Joker with a mass success in 1989, Warner Brothers was not sure about the direction um, Chris Fett and Jonathan Nolan were taking with the character. Um, the stu- according to Jonathan, the studio didn't get it. It also didn't help that Christopher Nolan decided to cast Heath Ledger who was better known for, obviously, for *Brokeback Mountain*? Um, while the film had been well received by critics and even nominated for Best Academy Award, it was hard to see how a conflicted cowboy would transition into the clown prince of crime. But obviously, they went with their gut, and that's that. And that's a, somewhat paid well, off. That's the other thing. Like Ledger had kind of auditioned for a couple of Nolan's projects leading up to this, and hadn't really gotten anything. But Nolan always, always wanted to work with him, and Ledger wanted to work with Nolan. And then his agent told him that, you know, they were looking for someone to be the Joker and Ledger leapt at it. Like, he was shredding. He said, what do I have to do? How do we get that? How do I I get to be that character?
3: Did he um, do method acting for this role?
0: There's a lot of stories around that he never broke character on set and that he kind of just stayed as the Joker. But according to everyone that was on set, including Christian Bale, is that as soon as the Camera stopped. He stopped and was really nice and normal, and was just joking around Heath Ledger <laughs> all the time. And everyone was having a great time.
2: Just people. I There's evidence him. of that. There's actually a picture of him doing a kickflip on yeah. a skateboard over Christian Bale laying yeah. on the ground.
0: Like they were just they were just kicking back <laughs> and having so cool. a great time. He was posing I with, look that up. Um, you know, members of the cast and even their families. Like people were bringing their kids onto set on days that he was in costumes that kid could get a photo with him. Like, but one thing he did do was lock himself in a hotel room for six weeks leading up to production and develop the character of the Joker, which included reading and watching a clockwork orange. So that happened. Oh. Jesus. Yeah.
3: We all yeah. know what a monstrosity yes. that is.
0: Um, Christian Bale hurt Heath Ledger during filming. Um. So in the in the, pres- in, the yeah, in the interrogation room the joker begins to laugh seemingly unbothered by the violence and pain according to Christian Bale that was really how Heath Ledger was while acting and filming the scene um Ledger was egging him on and telling him to keep going he was slamming himself around and there was tiled walls inside of that set which were cracked and dented from him hurling himself into them so when they <laughs> were throwing around like Ledger would genuinely, as like, Bale would go to kind of swing him. Heath was launching himself across the room, so he like it, pretty much caused Bale to toss him into the wall, and it cracked the tiles.
1: Fucking hell! Like,
0: ow. Um. Yeah. So fuck that. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> ow, indeed. Um. What else we got? I'm talking about my mark, and let's go into that one. Yeah, so he hid himself in the hotel room for six weeks. Um, during this extended state of seclusion, Ledger developed, delved deep into the psychology of the character. He devoted himself, developed the Joker's every tick, namely the voice and sadistic laugh. So he wanted to really kind of develop his own version and not have it kind of be like Jack Nicholson or other versions that had come previously, the mask he wears in that opening sequence, the makeup, like, the kind of pattern on his mask is the same as the um, original TV series Joker's makeup. Huh. That's Um, cool. And the costume designer for this film made all of those masks differently because, like, like, all the masks are the same mask, but all the clown makeup's different. Because she's like, well, you know, all these guys would – get given their mask and then they'd all obviously paint it differently when they got told to make it look like a clown so they're obviously all going to have a different mask of what they you know did themselves Mm. another thing is who um
3: was the joker's um costume like the purple velvet Mm -hmm. suit was that Kind of taken from the comics, yeah. or was that kind of no? no that, was, that was
0: taken out. Like, if you look at Jack Nicholson's joke, he's got like the purple jacket. Like, it, what they did kind of stay true to the hair color and jacket color for the character. Yeah. Hey Nick, mm. do you know how last week you were telling us um, all about how Nolan directed all the <laughs> like shots and you know all those like pickups and stuff?
2: Yeah, like second unit yeah.
0: stuff. Um, yeah. Do you think that Christopher Nolan directed every scene in this film?
2: I from your tone, I'm assuming. <laughs> no, he no. <we> did not.
0: <laughs> so all the okay. handheld footage of the Joker, like all that kind of that captured footage of him Terry, like with people like that you see on the TV screens.
2: Uh like where he's got like, yeah, he's cam- got, like the camcorder. Border, like, yeah, like um, yeah. that
0: was all done by Heath Ledger. He directed all of That's that. So Christopher Nolan gave him full creative control. To do those shots, and if you look at it, it's exactly how Heath Ledger films most of his stuff through his entire life. It's with a camcorder in his hand, looking at himself, <laughs> and like all those scenes that kind of like he was Ledger was given what ha- what has to come from it, and then is given creative c- control to do however whatever he wanted to get that information out. So one cool. trusted him that much that he let him direct. Full sequences, whereas in Batman Begins, he wouldn't even let someone else direct a you know shot of a skyline.
1: Just an exterior. Yeah,
0: or a snow yeah. mountain. So I was like, that is insane.
1: Was that the only thing not done by yeah. a single unit from Chris yeah, Noll?
0: Yeah, Ledger just did those ones. Okay. Um You run an I am... I am I'm just looking through some After only an hour know, I'm just 15. looking through some facts to see Oh um I It's probably a good thing we didn't go through the do whole one. Yeah. genuinely recommend anyone that's interested to watch the 2007 documentary of I am Heath Ledger. 2017. Yep. Um Yeah. It goes through his I watched that yesterday and it goes through his entire life from like kind of being a little boy and, like, you know, interviews with his parents and his sisters to his friends and, like, you know, it's got Ben Mendelssohn and Naomi Watts who were his friends when he was acting and what his life was like and his whole production company and him getting different roles and there's footage of – so much footage of him. There's aud- heaps of audio from him because he was just constantly recording himself. So there's thousands of hours available for them that they could use of – him just filming himself. Um, it made that's pretty cool. More money than Batman Begins' entire domestic run in the, its first six days of release,
2: <laughs> which is to be fair, it was everywhere. Yeah. Like I, rem- I know I said this last week, but you could not especially here. I think because yeah. because of people I joined him being Australian. It was. I, like, I just remember non-stop hearing about it. It was on the, like stuff on the news about it every day for like months. Yeah,
0: it was just crazy. Like, um, yeah, I think I could probably, I don't know, wrap up. Oh, one last thing: Heat, the movie Heat. <clears throat> In 1995, Heat, starring Al Capone and Robert De Niro, is one of the most well-respected movies uh, about bank robbery. Al Pacino. Al Pacino sorry, I don't know. I just say Al Capone. <the> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Al Pacino Could you imagine? and Robert De Niro um, is one of the most well-respected movies about bank robbers in the history of cinema. Thus, it came as no surprise when Christopher Nolan mentioned that the movie as a reference point for The Dark Knight. And, like, it's, The Dark Knight bank robbery is severely influenced by this movie. Um, however, far more from a general standpoint, Christopher Nolan also credited Heat for serving as a template for world-building in a movie after citing... Um, if you want to take on Gotham, you want to give Gotham a kind of weight and breath and depth there. The other thing is the bank manager at the start of this movie that just whips a gun out and starts shooting at the bank robbers William yeah, is in heat and plays like a real <laughs> like Ooh, sort of bank manager. Like, that it could <laughs> genuinely be the development of the same person. That's really it makes cool. makes sense wow. being the bank manager for organized crime. And it's just a nice little sort of touch that you threw him in there because he's like, yeah. Let's do it. Um, Why not? This movie also ignored the proposed uh, Justice League movie that was being written at the time by Warner Brothers. <laughs> and when asked uh, about the upcoming Justice League of America project, Nolan simply replied, to be perfectly honest, it's not really something I've thought about. It did not care. <laughs> because, like... So... um. Michael and Kieran Mulroney were hired to write a script, which was referred to the Justice League of America, (coughs) which was going to start. Is
2: this George Miller's?
0: Yeah, it's around that time they were developing it, and yeah, everyone was like, "Oh, is Christian Bale going to be Batman?" Christian Bale would not was not going to be cast as Batman. It was Army Hammer Hammer and.
2: Megan Gale is Wonder Woman.
0: Um, uh, in two seconds.
2: And it was uh, off the top of my head, wasn't it wasn't. It was still. It was Henry Cavill, I think, as well. So,
0: um, Adam Brody was set to play Barry Allen slash The Flash. Army um, Hammer was cast as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. DJ Cotrona. Was cast as Superman. Megan Gale was cast as Wonder Woman. Santiago Cabrera was cast as Aquaman. Common was cast as John Stewart slash Green Lantern. And um, frequent Miller collaborator Hugh K's Byrne was cast as Martian Manhunter. The whole like movie was cast. Costumes were done. There's like. Sp- a storyboard, like, what do you call it? Um, like, artworks done of those actors in those costumes. Um,
3: and it just never went ahead. Maxwell
0: Lord and Talia Argyle were going to be the villains, which would have made it really awkward, because Talia Argul is obviously in Rises. next week's movie, and Maxwell <gasps> Lord... <laughs> I know. Yeah, um, I didn't say that. <laughs> what else was there? Flash was going to be the main focus point of the movie it was supposedly going to be more faithful to the comics Um, it was going to end on a cliffhanger and it was cancelled yeah
1: but yeah it makes sense like this Batman and this whole world does not fit in with a big superhero mashup team it's way too grounded for it
0: so do 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 you want to hear the reasons why this movie was there's two main reasons why this movie was shut down Sure. One was the Writers Guild of America strike in two thousand and eight, oh, yeah, and the other happened. one was a fight over Australian tax credits in production.
1: Australian, because
0: yeah. <laughs> it was going to be made here. Ah, yeah. Anyway, ah. that's um, Justice League that never happened. What about, and what about the Dark Knight? Do we have anything more? <laughs> um, what do you do, you guys? Do we just forget about the Dark Knight? <laughs> well, this was happening at the time. It's important. Um, no, that's fair. Do you guys have anything else that you would like to add?
2: Um, Just overall thoughts, I yeah, guess. Yeah, what do you got, but Nick? You no, go don't... for it. Um, I'll admit, I was coming in ready to absolutely trash this.
0: You son of a bitch. <laughs> because,
2: <laughs> because for years I have... Uh, I, I've, like said that this movie is, like, criminally overrated. (laughs) But... And now... But... But... But with time... I love it. I love it. I think the problem is... I think the problem is, despite how great he is and how much he committed to it, I think Heath Ledger's, like, performance has done a lot more harm in the future in terms of actors the like staying in character yeah. and like, especially towards the Joker yeah. as we saw like, you know, like that Like a lot of like Jared Leto in particular has really learned the wrong lesson in portraying a yeah. character like this, you know, whereas yeah. I, I didn't know all the details about it. Like, you know, with like his um insomnia yeah. and all that, but it's really like, and it, it really shows, like, the toll yep. it took on him, but, like, yeah, just hearing Jared Leto then, like, what, beaten off in a jar and sending it to Margot yeah. Robbie as part, part of his character. Sending like, his
0: condoms to Will Smith and...
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh it's a shame that that's... kind. Of, I think that's kind of... Um, that's always just kind of given me... Uh, not yep. gross tinted glasses, yeah. but a, another the negative version of tinted glasses towards this. But <laughs> yeah,
1: well, once again, I think it's something that like people needed to understand the like con- context of the movie, and even well, like in the Jared Leto ones that he shows up as Joker, it's such a different like thing. You can't have this dark grounded jo- this kind of Joker in a movie like Suicide yeah. Squad.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. yeah. For Joker itself, yeah, maybe it's a similar kind of vibe, but
2: different. again.
1: Uh, I think I think the,
2: like the um, I think after like seeing Heath Ledger as the Joker, like in the future, they've like kind of given the other actors that portrayed him like free reign to be like you know, whereas like Christopher Nolan, yeah, an example of that is him like you know letting Heath Ledger direct yeah. his own like you know POV.
4: Yeah, which he'd had experience doing before. Mm.
2: Yeah, but like, and that's kind of translated to, oh, just go crazy on set and just be an yeah. absolute pain in the ass. Then. Yeah, it's mm. not right and for make everyone. Make life a living hell for all your
1: co-stars. Exactly, and, and yeah, Heath Ledger didn't do that no. at all. Yeah. He was having
0: a great time and with everyone.
1: You
2: did a yeah. mm.
1: but but I, I do
2: think culture, like Heath Ledger's performance, is just so ingrained culturally. I think some of this, like, some of this movie watching it did make me kind of cringe. Like, the first Why So Serious scene, I've seen that so many times, and, like, I've seen people in the streets doing horrible impressions of it, it just (laughs) kind of made me, like, tense up.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. you can't blame the movie for that. But
2: that's that's not the movie's fault, that's just the unfortunate side of this being so great and seen by everyone.
0: There was was something I forgot to mention, too. About the movie mm. and yes. awards. I forgot to bring up Academy oh, yeah. Awards and things. Um, so obviously Heath Ledger won posthumously um, Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role and Richard King also won Best Achievement in Sound Editing, so it won two Oscars. It was also nominated for cinematography, film editing, art direction, makeup, sound mixing, and visual effects. Notably, it wasn't nominated for best picture. Up until this time, best picture averaged around five nominations a year. After this movie came out, the following Academy Awards had ten nominations for best picture huh. because the categ- it was expanded to include movies like this that should be nominated, but weren't in the traditional sort of zeitgeist of what should be, like what was. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing was expanded. And it's because of this that other movies since have now won best picture that might not have because they weren't in that traditional sort of category because
3: it's just a silly yeah comic book exactly movie, it's just you know? it's batman
0: batman can't win best picture
3: it hasn't got anything to offer yeah. culturally
0: <laughs> but like the performance in this movie are insane yeah like it's so good um
3: i think um i'm the opposite to nick i loved this movie and
0: don't get me
2: wrong, I love this too. That, that you you worded that in the worst possible way. <laughs> oh I no, love that's this. me
3: saying I loved it. Right. And I think the more I watch <laughs> it, and the more I analyze it, I'm just I keep finding all these little problems, and I just can't unsee it. Oh, and I the
1: lack of women.
3: The lack of women. Oh, for I men, see. It's um. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we haven't covered that on this podcast yet. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's just like other things i'm like it's very of its time but but it is a very good movie and it did deserve a nomination for best picture because it is outstanding
0: um heath ledger ended up winning 32 best actor in a supporting role awards for his work in this movie which included wow. the quintuple which is a very rare event for someone to win but he won Best Supporting Actor and like Best Su- Actor in a Supporting Role in the Oscars, Golden Globes, BAFTAs, Screen Actors Guild Awards, and Critics Choice Awards. Oh, so damn. he won the main five kind of in awards season. Which is um Yeah. Has
1: anyone else done it? Do you know? Um It's kinda of like an ego, but like for for one yeah. year.
0: The only ones he, I know in that year, the only ones he didn't win, win, which he was nominated for was the Satellite Award, which went to Michael Shannon for Revolutionary Road, and the London Films Critic Award of the Year, which went to Mickey Rourke for The Wrestler. Um, but what I yeah. meant was,
1: has anyone else got the quintuple?
0: Quint, I'm going to find out right now. Uh-huh.
2: Probably Brando for something,
0: right? Um that doesn't help me.
1: It's all right. It, we we um can I share some thoughts <laughs> while you're looking actually? Yes.
0: Um oh, I got it. I've got it. The, we love thoughts. Oh, yep. Okay. Perfect. So Actors and actresses that have won the Oscar, Golden Globe, BAFTA, Screen Actors Guild Award, and the Critics' Choice Awards for the same performance. Um, Joaquin Phoenix for Walk the Line, best leading actor. Mm. Renee Zellweger for mm-hmm. Judy, best leading actress. Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, best supporting actor. Laura Dern, best supporting oh. actress in Marriage Story. I... Um, uh, I'm going to stop recent? reading, yeah, because this list is really long.
1: Okay, so there's, there's a fair. <laughs> I thought few of it was
0: <laughs> there's 37 people. Well, on. there's a
3: few.
1: Okay, That's, huh. yeah. Okay, I mean, understandable. Going to correct myself.
0: Rare. There could be less than 37 because Renee Zellweger is at 35 and at number two. Yeah. This
3: is a very dodgy site. No, you're I'm on? On,
0: it's on IMDb. It's I think it's it's for roles. So she's won it for two. She's oh. done it twice. That's really cool. Dred, yeah, the, this is crazy. Gary Oldman won it.
3: What are your thoughts, James?
1: <laughs> oh, I was just going to say about the Dark Knight. A thing that I on rewatching, and I to some extent, Cat. I know what you meant. This film started golden for me. And there's there's a few little things that as I watch I don't like as much, but it's still I it's still probably like a top five or at the very least ten film for me of like everything. Yeah. Um yeah. the the thing that I always enjoy is just the pacing of it. I think it's kind of in a way it it mirrors like the Joker's like chaoticness in that the like you forget just how many different fucking things happen in this mm. movie. Yeah. Like, it's like two movies yeah. in one. Yeah.
3: That's and because like, it's to two,
0: contrast... two screenplays Sorry. combined, but yeah.
1: ah, uh, Yeah. But, like, to contrast against some of the older things where it feels like I could count, like, six different scenes and that's the whole thing. Yeah. Th- yeah, no matter how many times I feel like it, I forget about little things that happen in this. And, yeah. And just my other thought there was um, the fact about the intro scene with people going to I Am Legend across the country to to see it. <laughs> they picked a good one because... I can't stand movies that open super slow for super long. Mm. And it ju- just the fact that it jumps right in, it really hooks you immediately mm. is something that I can't say, like I can't undersell how important it is to a movie to me.
3: Mm. I like, I think... <laughs> I know I've seen this movie quite a few times now, and I still don't think I could adequately explain the pot- plot. There's that much yeah. happening.
0: Yeah, Which exactly. Is one of the main reasons I didn't kind of focus on that for this because it's just we could have yeah,
1: had, yeah. Cause We'd be here for another hour. <laughs> yeah. This is already going to be like one of our longest yeah. three episodes. I think. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Um, um, gosh. But yeah, as you said, Cat, that like it's it felt like two movies. It's because there was a screenplay written for the Harvey Dent storyline, and a screenplay written for the Joker, all stories written for each, and then they were combined and intercut to create the two separate kind of main arcs of this film.
3: That's really so cool. So
0: there you go. There you go.
3: Hey, Jacob. Yeah.
0: You know my would thoughts. Would you watch this movie again? Of course again? I would. <laughs> you know, I just talked about it
3: for an hour and a half.
1: <laughs> yeah, but he really hates yeah. it, actually.
3: He just, yeah, can't stand it.
0: You can tell when I like a movie Nicola. when it's my report, because my report's twice as long as when I don't like it. <laughs> 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 um, would...
3: Nick, because you're under Jacob in my screen, would you watch it again?
1: Yes, I would.
0: Thank
3: you. James?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Cat. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. Of okay. course, I would. Um, so, I guess on that magical note, um, what happens next, Cat?
3: Next, we have a little chat about what we've been watching and what's upcoming that we're excited for. Yeah, which I'm kind of hoping will be quite yeah, short because I, have... I am buggered and really need to go to bed. <laughs> I have
0: one thing I want to I don't talk much about. To say. Okay.
3: Um,
0: A new British show that has six episodes. It's just finished. I've been watching it on Foxtel. It's called Vigil. Vigil.
3: I just finished it as well. So Um, good. I was going to wait to finish it before I told you guys about it.
0: (laughs) Um, Highly recommend. (laughs) Fucking great. Loved it. Um, Yeah, Kat, what were your thoughts on Vigil? Because obviously we'll go spoiler free for this because it's a mystery sort of on a submarine.
3: There's one... Episode that I didn't particularly enjoy just because obviously it was like setting up all the background yep. stuff. But that
0: I loved two? it.
3: I thought it. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I thought yeah. it was a really interesting concept. Like the fact that it is a murder mystery on a nuclear submarine, which means it doesn't have to come up for supplies yeah. for weeks on Months. end. And they're working simultaneously with like people like on the land. police on the yeah. mainland. It's great. And I think it's almost like funny watching it and then like hearing about Australia's nuclear nuclear yeah, yeah, deal and all. then that's full out. And I was like, I know what you're talking yeah. about because I'm watching video. Yeah, I,
0: I think I highly recommend that. So there you go. That's all I had. And all I really
3: enjoyed the ending. Yes. I feel like it paid it off. Does. You know? It's not one of those ones where you're just like, uh but yeah, it pays off.
0: Yeah. So that's all I have. That's it. That's for me this week. What have you? Who's, who's got, well, I'll keep talking
3: because okay. I am.
0: Um, what have was you been watching, before. Kat?
3: I started watching three weeks ago um, the new American Crime Story um, anthology, which is impeachment, which is about the Clinton impeachment um, and Monica Lewinsky, and I am really enjoying it because ages ago I listened to a podcast about it, and um, so I know a bit about it. But the story is actually told from the perspective of all the women involved. It's not, like, male-centric, which I really, really enjoy. It's quite empowering after watching The Dark Knight. Um,
1: (laughs) So, does it manage to make, like, does it manage to make Bill Clinton feel like not the main person of it?
3: Oh, 100%. He's such a creep. Oh, my gosh.
1: But, like... Um,
3: But yeah, yeah, no.
1: Around Monica more than him or
3: Yeah, it's more her version of the relationship, I guess, because it kind of was. And because she wasn't the only one. There were other women. Oh yeah. So it also follows them and their stories and their struggles to kind of seek compensation. Yeah. Um but yeah, highly recommend. They did the OJ one that's on Netflix.
0: I do like that. Um, that was like good.
3: The OJ Simpson trial. So, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah,
2: I never watched it's that. It's really good. Like, that came out, like... A few years ago? When yeah. we When we first got Netflix, and I was like, yeah. I added that to my list. I was like, I will watch that.
1: And now it's been, like, seven years. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I saw um, the... Ads.
3: And- <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, no, you go, James. I was just
1: going to say, I saw the advertising for it, and I, I was just like, wow, they're talk- they're doing a thing about the Trump impeachment already. Wait, never mind. It's <laughs> one from a bit longer ago. <laughs>
3: um, but, yeah, it's very interesting. There's a lot of details where I'm like, mm, I don't think it was quite like that, but let's just go with yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's me. Hamiz. Uh, um, I'll
1: try and be quick for cat's sake. I've watched two and movies this week. Uh, one about uh, rich people being fuckheads and one about poor people being fuckheads. Which do you want to hear first? Uh,
0: poor people um, first. Um, All
1: right. I watched yeah. Good Time with Robert Pattinson. Um, I love that movie. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed I it. Amazing it. cinematography, amazing sound. Yeah. Um, and, like, interesting plot that's, like, very small stakes in a way. Um, mm. But, like, just the the characters are really written and performed really well. That it's, like, you get to the end and, like, not a lot has <laughs> happened, but you enjoyed all of it kind of thing, in my opinion.
2: I have to say, yeah. probably one of, I, I think I watched this during our break, so I never spoke about it. It's probably one of the most stressful movies I've seen in a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's very... I'll your, give it that. Your heart rate is definitely high watching time. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The other, the other movie, the the rich fucks is the Riot Club from um, twenty fourteen. Mm. Have you seen this cat?
3: No, but it's on my list.
1: Well, um, it's about it's about this club of like rich kids from Oxford who go to restaurants and essentially like wreck the place and then like will offer to pay for it. Um, based on a real club from Oxford um, called the Bullingdon Club, which um, has had. Boris Johnson and um, who was the other guy? Uh, David Cameron, like real British prime ministers, be a part of. Um, I didn't like this as much. It was, it's very frustrating seeing people be assholes and get away with it through wealth, and it's like, as it's re- a realistic story, but it's very un, like very frustrating to to watch. Like,
3: yeah, there's a bit yeah. of
1: there's a bit of justice in it, but not nearly as much as you want.
3: Is that wait is it does it star Sam Kaplan or Cla- I don't know how what his last name is? Um and He's blonde?
1: I don't know, sorry.
3: Maybe Sam I have seen Clackland? this movie. Yeah.
1: Let me I'm just googling what this guy looks like. But Yes. Bop.
3: Okay, yes, I have seen this movie and it does make you feel just gross and like Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he is he's the grossest character in it. Yeah um yeah, yeah yeah nick what have you been watching oh and cat sorry to jump in i like, remember the one last thing i've started squid game based on your recommendation the other, yes! the other week, and it is the end of episode one was hard to watch but it is exciting i'm interested to to watch it all
3: yeah oh i've remembered something
0: up? my brain went poof. um so doctor who always talk about it fucking love it anyway um Jody Whitaker and Chris Chimble, so the current Doctor and Doctor Who showrunner, are leaving at the end of 2023. Sorry, 2022. And Russell yeah. T Davies Russell is coming back. Russell T Davies, back. who is responsible for bringing Doctor Who back in 2005 and helmed Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant's run as the Doctor, is returning as showrunner for the 60th anniversary in 2023, as well as the series Therefore Beyond.
1: I'm fucking tired. So he's, oh
0: he's coming God. back. But everyone is questioning now because in 2022 – is the BBC's centenary celebration of being 100 years of the BBC. So there's going to be supposedly a massive three epi- special episodes of Doctor Who, which will see Dirty Whittaker leave the TARDIS. So, in terms of a 60th anniversary of Doctor Who the following year, will we get a full season of a new Doctor between those two specials, or will we have a new Doctor introduced into a 60th anniversary special? Yeah, so... It makes sense, because Russell T Davies is back, and that means that a lot of his writers might come back, like Mark Gattis and Stephen Moffat. That would and be the amazing. Other thing that's been floated <laughs> is that he's p- potentially going to do, because a lot of previous Doctor Who actors are kind of now against multi-Doctor stories, but also previous mm. actors, are, like Christopher Eccleston has said, he won't return to Doctor Who on TV until hell freezes over, so he's out. But... There's been talks of both David Tennant, Paul McGann, and various others returning for one-off solo specials. It's so that, that would be you fun. Mike Gaddis might write a Paul McGann episode, and Ross T. Davies write a David Tennant episode, and they'll just do little one-off specials throughout that whole year. So we'll see what happens, but I'm fucking excited for Ross T. Davies to come back, because he's the fucking king of Doctor Who, <laughs> and that's fucking sick. Anyway, sorry, Nick, your Nick, turn. Nick. <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll give a brief. I've just been watching series, and I haven't gotten through an entire thing to talk about it in full, but uh, I, I've i been watching Chuck and James. I watched the episode you were talking about. Yeah. Oh, Chef's kiss. It's very it's a, good.
1: It's my the first real great episode, I think, of the series.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was very good, but um, I, I'm worried it's not going to... like. I, know, I, I don't know if it... Got cancelled in the end or not? But I feel like it's just going to
1: dip at a certain point. Um, my opinion is season two, three, and four are all really good. Season one's a good build-up, and season five is rough. So, I know. Oh, <laughs> if you, yeah, Ugh. if you, if you can do this to yourself. You can stop at the end of season four and be happy. I
2: was going to say, can I scrub it?
1: Like, is there like an ending
2: where I can sort of be like, and that was it.
1: If you stop season four about 10 minutes before the end of the last episode, yeah, you can. Oh, cool. (laughs) But there's a huge cliffhanger at the end of that episode. So like. Great. Watch me forget and I'll be annoyed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Also, um, there was some uh, casting uh, this week that, has made everyone very upset. I'm sure you Mario. guys have thoughts on it too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Chris Pratt's playing Mario. Yeah, that's fucking weird. In a, I thought it was live action at first, and I went days thinking that <laughs> oh, this was God. a live action thing, but it's not. It's not, it's thank just, God. Why? It's um, why? the same studio that made, like, Minions
0: and shit. Why Chris Pratt? Why Chris Pratt? Uh, Illumination. Why? Why? Because like, he why is was in uh,
2: Jurassic World, which made billions of dollars, and he was in Avengers, which made Italian. billions of dollars. He's so cool.
0: Like, I don't want.
2: I, I, I don't think he's even going That's to do the I voice. That's what I mean. I think like, I, I don't know. I'm.
0: You gotta have the weird, it's like, bizarre. It's me,
3: Mario. I also just like don't understand like what the plot is going to be because we all know the plot of Mario.
0: Princess Peach is going to get she... abducted by. You know, and then Mario's going to have to Bowser. jump on some turtles to get her back. <laughs> yeah. That's I, why I'm shocked I'm
2: like, that Charlie goes how... playing Luigi it's So
0: weird! and
2: Danny DeVito was right there. and They didn't think to be like, <laughs> so
1: get the guy who would be Mario. I think as much as some of the other ones are weird, like but not, none of them have anything on the Chris Pratt one. he's the yeah, least yeah, bit. I, and obviously like I, Bowser I like is great. Of...
2: Because so, you know, I saw the um, th- like Seth Rogen playing Donkey Kong, and when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, this is just a meme. This yeah. isn't real.
0: It's and- real." Because
2: <laughs> like, he was in the Lion King, and I was like, "Oh no, this is an actual thing." I, I think um, I knew Taylor Joy is quite a- like, as good casting as Princess Peach, but like at a certain so point, weird. I guess that anyone can it, so Weird. Because like so many of them don't Carey. talk. Yeah.
3: That's yeah, it's thing.
2: Like... like. I just do not care about this movie. It just it just oh, reeks me, me. of uh, products that yeah. will <laughs> consume you, fat pig. Like that's <laughs> it's just not gonna a fat pig. <laughs> no, I was calling the, the audience, a fat the, pig. the capitalist consumers. Yes. Yeah. Americans in particular. But um, I am gonna. Uh, I'll put money on the table right now. Yep. because they didn't announce. I they didn't announce Wario or Waluigi or Waluigi, yeah. money on the table right now, I'll eat my shoe if Danny DeVito <laughs> is not playing Wario. <laughs> right. We've heard it here. <laughs> have,
0: <laughs> heard it here I, it's I, our famous what segment what of, is Nick eats a shoe, or it does, if it happens. or if
2: it <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll come back in a year and a half. And like, if, if if Danny DeVito is not playing Wario, that is such a waste.
0: I also find it weird that Keegan-Michael Key it is towed. Yeah. That's not a voice fit. I
2: mean, who do you, who do you, who do I do you cast as a Toad, A 12-year-old child talk?
0: that has a higher voice? Someone with
2: higher pitch. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, I think they're going tr- for a very oh, different Tom style that's going to upset a lot of...
4: <laughs> that's me, Tom Holland, not Toad, I, I, I now.
2: Think, I think they're going to upset a lot of people, like for, what, Mario purists or like, whatever. A, I, Mario I, I, I are an going Italian for a very power.
0: Not an American fucking... He's not a guardian of the galaxy or well, I mean in a way. No, I, I but... think
2: I think they're gonna they're gonna make them like all american and they're gonna think it's metal.
0: Uh, yeah, cuz uh, cuz Jack Black is Charlie the... Day
2: Charlie Day doing a um Yeah. like a, a an italian
0: I'm accent. I'm not I'm not I, I'm not a character. Oh fierce. no, it would just be racist. Super Mario Bros the movie 2022. <sighs> <laughs>
2: Holiday twenty twenty three. The synopsis
0: is a plumber named Mario travels through an underground labyrinth with his brother Luigi trying to save a captured princess. Feature film adaptation great. of the popular video game. Awesome. Written by... Who, oh, what's yes. Matthew Fogel written? Matthew He's Fogel. written
2: the Lego
0: movie. Minion. Sorry, Lego movie 2. Oh, Minions, God. That's it. And two other things. Oh, no, here we go. Uh,
3: um, and we know they're great. So... Yeah.
1: Minions.
3: Actually, the Lego he movie was okay. Big
0: Mummers, Like Father, Like Son, 2011. Oh, I'm um, the Lego <laughs> yeah. He did I'm the story, just the story for the Lego movie too. He's doing The Minions Rise of Gru, which comes out next year. Silent Retreat, which doesn't have a year. Super Mario Bros. the movie next year and Prince Charming, which again, has just been announced. So he, Shrek? No, Shrek I don't Charming? know. Hang on. I'll click on that. <laughs> Plot unknown, described as live-action feature film about Prince Charming.
3: Because that's what we need—more white male movies. <laughs> and the other one, the other
0: writer. Oh, that's that—that's the creator of Mario. Okay. Agree,
1: cat. Give him zero representation. The, the other noise. guy credited
0: yeah. for writing is yeah. the creator of all the characters. So let's just—that's understand. Directors, um, Teen Titans. Do we need yeah, to I go I through who these people are? Oh. Oh.
1: He's... <laughs> Jacob, we've been recording for two, right. two hours. Do it on
0: your all own right. time. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> they've, they've all, not many, done much. Yes.
2: Um, if you slap most of these writers on the back of the head, I think their fake face would fall off and you'd see a robot.
0: <laughs> Alright, Kat, do you want to wrap us up? Where can people find us, contact us, or let us know what the fuck's going on? And if they're excited you for Mario. Yeah, please
3: don't. And just give us that enthusiasm. <laughs> um, you can email Send us, us a at Wahoo. If
2: you, <laughs> oh
3: if you're <laughs> Woo! You can email us at Watch it again pod at Gmail dot com, or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Watch it Again Podcast. We love getting comments and reviews, and just anything good or bad. We'll read it out. Because do I even read out that message? What from else James are we gonna do dad? with them? <laughs> um, Which one? Um, Oh, there's more than one?
1: No, as as Um, Dad always comments on, I didn't know he's actually emailed us.
0: Yeah, he said. Oh. This was in June. Um, About the 400 blows, something happened, and he went, About that $50, James, in today's money, that's about three quarters of a tank of petrol. I don't know what we were talking about, but. That sounds familiar.
1: I think it was. When I had, when I was given fifty dollars to stop cracking my knuckles, and oh. now I still crack my knuckles. Right.
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, leave us a review wherever you're listening to this on. Um, we're everywhere. We've infiltrated Apple and Spotify, so watch out, world. Yeah, we've only been doing this for a hundred movies. You'd think yeah. we know what we were doing. We right don't. Now.
1: And for anyone still <laughs> listening, get excited for next week as well as the movie. I've, I've got fun facts about what everyone's rated movies. I've gone through a hundred episodes to to find out. So get excited.
0: Woo! We're going to rank Yay! all 101 of them from best yeah, to worst. <laughs> all right.
3: Anyway. Clockwork Orange has to be worst.
0: Yeah, obviously. It's at 101 out of, you know, it's the bottom. Um, Anyway, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with more exciting Batman talk. Yeah! Um, yeah, we will catch you guys next week. Thank you. And goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.